Welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Do you realize that 70% of people are disengaged at work? I don't think it's an overstatement to call that a tragedy, actually, because it affects the bottom lines of organizations, certainly, but it has a negative impact on all the people that work there, and their families, and the community at large. Nobody's talking about this. Well, on this podcast, we are going to talk about it. So thank you for joining the John Harrison podcast, and I am so honored today because I've got a person that uh, just means the world to me. You know, it's actually my father-in-law, and it's Jen's dad, Bob Hines, and Bob worked for Caterpillar for 40 years, and most of you know that I worked there about 25, and strangely enough, our, he and my path and his never crossed at Caterpillar, so even though we were there for some of that time overlapping, we never actually got to know each other until uh, I met his daughter. But I, um, again, just thank the world of him uh, personally, of course, And but what I what I know about his time at Caterpillar and what he did while he was there. So I just wanted, uh, we've done a podcast with a young leader recently, uh, someone that's in their 20s and what kind of the challenges that come with that. And, and I want to talk to somebody who is kind of uh, later in life and 82, so kind of the opposite of 28, which is kind of fun. So 82, we've got somebody that is uh, retired now, but had a great career at a, a large company. So Bob, I know from an academic background, you had a, a math degree from Bradley University and then got hired into the research and engineering department at Caterpillar. I know none of that was planned. None of that really probably made any sense to you what that was at the, at the time. And I know Caterpillar was just beginning using computers in the accounting world and engineering in the factories. And so you weren't even exposed to those types of computers in your academic background. So you were just kind of thrust into this world. I simply had to learn how to program and do and work with engineers over the next seven or eight years to become a fairly competent systems analyst. I went back to Bradley, got a master's degree in computer science, and shortly afterwards was promoted to a first-level supervision in that that division. And at that point in time, my career as a technology person kind of came to a halt. Over the next 30-some years, I eventually got moved from about six different positions in some sort of promotion standing. But the interesting thing was it was always in a different part of the company, always in an IT framework, but completely unknown to me in terms of the people I was going to work for or what those functions were. And that was very, in terms of a career development it's probably as good as it gets because for an IT professional to have the ability to serve a company of the size and complexity of CAD by being thrown into the various areas that he knew nothing about, it was a great learning exercise. So ultimately when they made me director of corporate IT, which included all the corporate applications, uh, computer computer uh, networks, computer centers, desktop support for 100,000 units. Uh, but by the time I had all that, I at least had a some minimal level of understanding of all those various areas and the people we had to deal with. So it was certainly not a career I planned on, but I was very fortunate 
and having a first-class company and being in on the ground floor of a major expanding technology framework. Uh, it's well said. And, and, and obviously, when you're in the middle of that stuff, and I had that a little bit where I was moved to different areas and I, I you know, wasn't sure exactly what I was supposed to be doing, but I can look back now and say, wow, even that year I spent in that job or two years there all added up. So, so, if, but, but for you, that, that meant that you had to be able to accept some uncertainty, right? Like you, you were, you were going into kind of worlds unknown so that you had to be open to doing that. Um, and then tell me about, so when, like you said, most of us are, we're doing something technical at some point and now you kind of move away from the day-to-day technology, so to speak. What, what was hard for you when you did that? When you moved from being kind of a technical, a very good technical analyst and an IT expert in your field to now where you didn't know all the answers from a technical point of view and you were in more of a leadership role, what, what was challenging about that? Well, uh, in every position I held from that time I left research, it was in, I was stepping into you know, something new that I didn't understand and I quickly, though, learned that you're getting into a whole new political framework. I mean, politics exists on a significant scale in any large corporation or any 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 kind of any kind of operation that's a large, complex organization. Yeah. And so, I had to learn who I was dealing with and how we could fit into that framework because I inevitably encountered. The political world, and dealing, learning how to deal with a multitude of different leaders in various parts of the company, you enter, you encounter a great deal of egos, and we we would be caught up always in the case of trying to work with them and to let them know that we could really help them, and that was always a challenge. It, from every every job had that challenge. Yeah, and it's interesting, Bob, because we work, a lot of our clients, we have leaders from these support kind of groups, like so accounting, HR, IT, and as you just said, sometimes people just see those departments as necessary evils. We don't really want you in our midst of our stuff, and of course, I spent a lot of time in manufacturing, and, and people could think, well, those IT people don't really understand what it's like to be on the shop floor, and so they can almost, they can almost push, push those groups away. And I think, like you said, for, for those groups to be able to come in and understand what the needs are and not come in like you are going to fix all their problems, but to, to learn what they need and to get into their world a little bit. And, and I know, I know from my Caterpillar days, the, the IT world made our factory life very easy at times because of things that were created under your leadership. So so I think that's difficult too, is when you're in a group that people don't naturally want in their business, uh, usually I always joke about this, people don't call IT and say, man, I just want to call you today and tell you the servers are running beautifully. You're doing a great job in IT. That never happens. They're calling you when something messes up. And so you have to be pretty resilient as a leader to be, to be in that situation where you're going to get criticized a lot. And I assume you did, you and your group got criticized a lot. Is that true? Oh, I would say it's more than true. More than true. Uh, <laughs> we, a lot of the units knew that they needed us. And when confronted with an outside resource that might 
they think might do their job, they almost always end up discovering that we were better deal and a better help to them. But the biggest problem was the fact that we were a major cost center. And therefore, we we were a major major item on their on their on their profit and loss statements. All these business units had to sign up for it with us, and agree to you know major expenditures. And therefore, we were always at the top of the totem pole and uh, totem pole in terms of them trying to reduce their costs. Yeah. And of course, the executive office was coming at us from the other way. When we would confront executive office annually with a four hundred million dollar budget. Their, their eyeballs took, you know, did a second look and say, what are you people spending money for? Yep. And then it was my job to show them and convince them that we we're being driven by 26 business units who wanted these things from us. So people wanted what we could do, but they didn't want to pay for it because they envisioned that since we were a corporate entity that we should be giving them some kind of special deal well the fact was we we, i was i was driving my people to behave like a business and sell their services and if the business units really didn't think it was worth it then we shouldn't be doing it and that was a constant pull and tug deal we had with virtually across the company and you're right we got we got our share of criticism and some deserved yeah, that's also well said. And and we, we've been saying this in our sessions recently, but if you don't want to be criticized, do not go into leadership. And that can, be in, that, that can be in business or sports or politics. You are definitely going to be criticized as a leader. And if, and if two, two things can go wrong with that, in my opinion, people can get very jaded and now they don't care about anybody and they're just walking around with this kind of hardened, outer shell and they don't care anymore about people or, or the, the business or the customers, right? Or they just are kind of wallowing in this sadness all the time of people don't like me. And if you're trying to please, yes. please everybody as a leader, you're going to make poor decisions. So I know you were in the midst of all of that. As you do look back and you, you've, uh, again, you worked there 40 years but what what are what's one or two things that as you look back because you obviously were incredibly successful you did a lot of good for the business and for the people that worked for you uh, you obviously benefited from executive role etc but anything that you would do differently as you look back oh i i suppose it'd be a lot of things i would like to do differently you know be a better judge of people i attempted to build an organization that was very strong and uh, could solve almost any systems problem that ever confronted them. But in terms of communications with both our own people, I, I always assumed that our managers were getting down to the PR, their people and keeping them in, informed. But that was not the case. And we could have done a lot better job on that, which in turn then would have better resulted in better communications with our user community our thousands of users, uh, often we didn't communicate very well to them. I, we, we kind of, I probably all were guilty to some degree of thinking, well, if we were as good as we thought we were and we could provide the systems that was needed to run the company, they surely 
would appreciate that. <laughs> well, like you say, <laughs> not, not quite not, so. Not and always, so, yeah. yeah. it didn't always work that way. And that means that we were we, we could have spent 10 times more, more effort at communications with our staff who want to know. Our people wanted to know, and we did not invest enough time making sure they did know, and then translating that on down to the customer base, which was so huge that, yes, it would have been difficult, but we could have done a lot better job. So I would do some more things there. That's good. And I I think, and especially in most of our workplaces, we are trying to get things done and get things done fast. Uh, There's pressure to get things done fast, and sometimes technical people, uh, accounting, IT, engineering, manufacturing, they can think, well, those those communication efforts or spending time chatting with people either individually or as a group, it doesn't, it, it can seem like a waste of time sometimes because we got to get stuff done. But I love what you said, like if they're not bought in and they don't get it, then, then whether that's customers or uh, customers or employees, you're missing out. And, and that's kind of what we're always trying to teach in our sessions, that balance of doing the right things from a culture, employee satisfaction, so to speak, point of view, but also deliver incredible results uh, for the client and the customer and all that. And so I love that you said that. Anything else? Yeah, I, I think we should have done a better job with our people, helping them to understand not to worry so much about the next promotion that it, things would take care of themselves if they did their job well. I, I can ask, honestly say in my case, I, I did not see any of those promotions coming. In fact, there were several times in my career where I was there for several years in a job. I, I had the job down, I knew how to do it. And I would think this is, this is my final step. I, I don't see any place where I'm gonna go from here. But the fact is managers, senior management is paying attention and if you do your job very very well at what you're doing even though it may be a little bit boring for you because you've got it down solid keep doing your job well find better ways to do it and promotions will take care of themselves and i don't think we got our people to understand that too well yeah so well said bob and and i think you know there's and I tried to do the same thing in my career where I wasn't, you, and you and I both saw people, and, and please don't name any names, but you and I both saw people, <laughs> you, you and I both saw people at Caterpillar that were very focused on themselves and money and status. And I tried to, like you said, I, maybe it was just how I was raised, but just do the right thing. And if it happened, it happened. But that meant even taking lateral positions that were not a promotion, taking a job, uh, that maybe wasn't the most glamorous, and and yes, and, and that I think that it does pay off. And here's the thing: even if it doesn't pay off at the company you're at, at some point you, you'll 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 do well somewhere else, even if the company you're at doesn't doesn't see those things. But I, I think that's just really sage advice for any age, but certainly younger people, because there's such a focus on you know ourselves and the next thing and making more money and a nice a big house and the, and the you know BMW and the, all that stuff and I think at 82 and I'll tell you even at 58 I think we know that's not 
that's not really what matters. And so yeah. just doing doing the best you can in the job you've got is your best way to pad your resume, so to speak. That's well, very well said. Amen. Um, any, any last, if, if you were to give one piece of advice as we wrap up, just one piece of advice, you met someone on the street or at a restaurant and said, hey, I'm going into leadership. If there's one thing, what, what, what would you tell that person? I don't know. I'd say pray about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. Some people are met for it and some people are not. You pay a price for it, but it's sometimes people just end up having the strength to do what they have to do. But it's a, it can be a very tough go. It, so it, it can I, I, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I, I, that's a that's a tough thing. Not everybody is ready for leadership, and maybe some people really don't want it, and that's okay. Well, and that's exactly where I was going to go with that. I think that's great advice because, we, and you know, Bob, in most organizations, the only way you make more money is to take on human beings and leadership generally. And, and I've joked about this in our sessions, but in some companies and even at Caterpillar, there, there were more requirements to learn how to, to drive a, you know, forklift around the factory than to become a supervisor. Like I, I couldn't just jump on, yes. a for, I couldn't jump on a forklift and move pallets around. I would have gotten in big trouble. But, but when I first became a supervisor, somebody went, Hey, do you want to be a supervisor? And I went, well, maybe. And they went, okay, it's yours. You're done. That's the end of the training. Exactly. And, and, and I think people need to recognize that if you, if that's not what you're called to do, and you aren't loving that and you don't, that that's okay. There's no shame in that because I know you had a lot of people in IT that were excellent technical people that were not cut out to lead human beings and they still were very valuable to the company. They probably had more joy and passion in their jobs doing that. And I think that is important for people to recognize that not everyone's cut out for that job and it's not a, it's not a black mark if, you, if you're not up for it. Yes, and, we, and I should have done a better job helping people understand that. Yep, exactly All right. right. All right. Well, uh, that was fantastic. And like I said, this is, I've done a lot of these podcasts the last year or so, and this would be my most special one that you took time to do that for me. So thank you for that. I, I know our listeners uh, will benefit from this. So uh, you've, you've given me lots of advice uh, personally over the years, but it's kind of been fun to share that with others. So. Thanks for doing this, Bob, and uh, we'll talk soon. It's a pleasure doing it, John. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for a future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.